Wow, that skit was really good. It really, really was. And it, it just reiterates just how we have to find that balance, that we have to be able to take a minute and breathe and realize that, you know what, it is a marathon. It's, it's, we have to take our time and we have to wait. When I was asked to speak today on Sila, finding rest for our souls, the first thing I did was I started searching out the meaning of the word. I wanted to fully understand that word and what it meant. And I can tell you that it's mentioned 76 times in the Old Testament. 73 of those times being in the book of Psalms and three being in Habakkuk. It means a place of pausing, reflecting, pondering deeply. The divine timeline, the moment of conjunction, the changing point in history. Then I asked God, I said, God, I want you to show me personally what this word means. And he took me to Abaca and he left me there. And I read that, I read that book and I reread it. And through that and just watching what he went through, I was shown that how important finding rest for our souls is and in finding rest in the right source, being God, being Jesus, how important that is. Now Habakkuk, his name means embrace. He had a keen, a keen sense of humanity's sinfulness and God's holy nature. Surrounded by sin in Judah, he was unhappy because he thought God seemed indifferent. He actually begins his book by complaining about wicked Judah. But then turning to question why God would use evil Babylon to punish Judah. But then turning to question, okay, I just read that. Sorry. His writing demonstrates his familiarity with the Babylonians, meaning he apparently lived just prior to the invasion of Judah. But God comforted Habakkuk by reminding him that the wicked would not go unpunished and justice would be upheld. And I looked, and as I was reading through my study Bible, it said that Habakkuk did three things. He complained, not once but twice. He said, God, why does evil go unpunished? And then God answered, the Babylonians are going to punish Judah. Habakkuk's second complaint, how can a just God use the wicked Babylonians to punish a nation, a nation more righteous than them? God answered, Babylonia will also be punished and faith will be rewarded. And then the third thing Habakkuk did was pray. After asking God for manifestations of God's wrath and mercy, as he had seen in the past. And he closes with a confession of trust and joy in God. And as I was reading this and saw what he had to do with as one of God's people and how he brought his questions and his complaints before the Lord and after God had answered him and how he ended in prayer and how he rested in and trusted on the one true God I had to take a look back at my life. I had to take, back a, take a look back at situations and how I handled them. And I saw that on some occasions I didn't handle them very well at all. 
And in fact, if I would have paused a minute and instead of running to the phone and if I'd have run to God's throne, things would have turned out so differently for me in those situations. I wouldn't have lost rest. I would have had peace. But instead, I thought I could help God out. And I'm in a big old mess. Even now, God's let me go through and walk through a few things to understand Selah. Learning how to pause. And looking back on what God has done in my life and resting in the fact that, you know what, I don't have to understand everything that God's doing. And that I can rest in the fact that I know that he'll take care of me. Since January, I've known about this event today. I thought, well, you know what? That gives me a little over a month to prepare. I was like, yeah, I can have this done by the end of January. I can use all of February to continue to study, to continue to read, and just kind of relax a little bit with it. Can I tell you, I was at my dinner table all day yesterday, as it seemed, finishing up this that I'd started since the beginning of January, since I knew this event was going to happen. I remember him telling God yesterday, I said, God, I know you're never late and you're always on time, but God, you're kind of cutting it close here. It was like my life suddenly got so much busier than what it normally was. I felt like I was being pulled in several different directions. And I couldn't get my notes to make sense. I couldn't get into any kind of order. Trying to spend time with the Lord was getting harder. I would be getting up 4.35 in the morning. My kids would decide, let's get up and let's play, Mom. No. Or if that didn't happen, a little bit of time, I think I'm fixing to dig in, get my reading done, do some praying. My husband's up trying to get ready to go to work. And all of a sudden, he loses something that only I can find. I'm sure none of you ladies have that problem. But none of that had ever really happened to me before. And then to top it all off this past week, I got the flu and I was out of it. I remember telling God, now you know I can't afford this right now. I said, I don't have time for this. My whole family is sick. I have to finish preparing for this message. I can't do this. And I heard God say to me, you know what, Nor the world's not going to stop because you're having an off day. The world isn't going to stop because you're sick and you feel like everything's falling apart. And it's not going to stop because you feel, it, it don't work that way. You don't get to take a pause and say, you know what, I'm going to go to the beach and I'll come back and figure this out later. Or I'm going to go take a bubble bath and this is just going to have to wait. It don't work that way. He told me, he said, Nor the world's going to keep right on spinning and right on moving, but you've got to figure out how to keep moving with it. And I was like, okay, God, how? How when there's chaos where there used to be peace? Pain where there used to be joy? Lord, how can I find rest for my soul? Tell me. He said, by coming to him. By letting go of the things that he never intended for me to pick up to begin with. By when you've done all you know to do, just stand there. Just stand. And wait. And while you're waiting, look back on what I brought you through. Look back on where I got you to. He said, you'll see a big difference there. 
He said, because you're not the same person you was then, but you've got to wait and you've got to trust me. I don't need your help doing this. I just need you to listen. And sometimes that's hard for me. I want to try to fix it all myself. And God showed me that's not such a good idea. And I'm learning more and more every day that in those moments of pause and reflection, I can see so clearly where God's hand was there when I wasn't doing anything but resting on his word, resting in his promise. I had peace. I had contentment and I had peace and contentment in my soul. And to me, that's worth more than any kind of vacation because you know what? You can go on any vacation you want to go on, but if you don't have peace, you're still going to be miserable. That's what God showed me. And God also showed me, he's like, you know what, Nora, give it all to me. Give, all, give it all to me, your pain, your sickness, just give it all to me. And I'll make an exchange with you. I'll exchange for what you call chaos and pain. I'll make an exchange. Come to me. Trust in me. I'll give you peace. And not just any peace. The Bible says a peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm like, okay, God, sign me up. But what drew me to the book of Habakkuk is that end in verse, I mean, in chapter 3. Is his ending there. It starts at verse 17. He says, though the, fig, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crops fail and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in my God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. And I was like, you know what? I wonder what would happen here today in my life and everyone's life. If we all got to that point and said, Lord, you know what? If everything falls apart around me, if I lose it all, when things happen that are out of control, you sovereign Lord, you're my strength. I will rejoice in you. And in you, God, I find my joy. You see, Habakkuk knew what was coming. God had already told him what was fixing to happen because of the sin that was running rampant at that time. God already done told Habakkuk, you know what? This is what's coming. But the faithful are going to, they'll make it. They'll be rewarded. And sometimes I think, you know what, maybe if we, if, especially me, you know, God, if I pay more attention to some of the things you're trying to tell me, I can see what, get a glimpse of what you tell on me is coming. And I might not understand it because, God, your ways are higher than mine. You know way more than I'll ever know. But if I tap into you more and pay more attention, I know that even when chaos is going on around me, I'll be okay. And you will too. I'll close with this. Corey Ten Boom was a, um, a Dutch Christian, and along with her father and some other family members, they helped many Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust during World War II. Okay, she was imprisoned for her actions, 
And later she actually wrote a book called The Hiding Place where she talks about her ordeal and what all she'd went through during that time. And while she was speaking, a lot of people would notice she would look down. She wouldn't be looking up much. She'd just be looking down. Turns out she was actually working needlepoint, cross-stitch during speaking engagements. I thought, hey, that's pretty neat. Well, when she would get through speaking and she would get through doing whatever it was she was speaking on or, or, or cross-stitching, at the time when she would get done, she would hold it up like this. And she would show the back. She would show the back of it. And in the back of it, it looks like a jumbled mess, actually. It looks like it doesn't make any sense. You can't tell where one part begins and another one ends. You, you don't get any direction. And sometimes that's how we see our life. At least I do anyway. But then she turns it around and she shows the other way. And she said, this is how God sees it. This is how God sees your beautiful life. And one day, she would close it by saying, you'll get to see your life that way. So even though we may not understand what God's doing, we can rest in the fact that God's got the big picture. And then if we trust in him, he's going to see us through. We just have to seek him. And I, I, this time I'm going to turn it over to pastor. I'm, I'm done. <laughs>